going? Welcome back to this week's episode of The Tonight Show. I'm your host, Max Christopher, back again with Malia Petsampu. And today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, as I had mentioned last week, uh, we were going to be having on uh, Mr. Bartels, a history teacher here at Norwin High School. Um, and he, we had him on today to talk about a few of his uh, recent updates in life, namely being uh, the mayor of Latrobe. So Mr. Bartels, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, too. Now, Malia, did you have anything you wanted to start us off with? Any sort of opener questions uh, for Mr. Bartels and anything to catch up the audience on? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'll catch up the audience first. Um, so those of you who are unfamiliar with Mr. Bartels, like Max said, he's a history teacher. Um, uh, I've been privileged of having him as my history teacher for um, two out of three years that I've been here at the high school, he teaches AP Human Geography and AP United States History. Um, and uh, uh, basically, just to give some background, because I wrote an article on um, on him a few months ago and kind of his campaign as mayor. Um, he has been mayor this past month in January and um but he's been a part of the trobe politics for quite a few years and um before we start talking about your actual time as mayor um uh, mr bartels could you tell us a little bit about um what you know inspired you just to get involved with the latrobe community absolutely uh, i am not originally from this area uh, as a lot of people know but perhaps some don't uh, my wife grew up in latrobe and we met when we were both teachers down in Northern Virginia. And when it came time to start a family, uh, we ended up here in Latrobe. And uh, as a social studies teacher, I've always had, of course, an interest in uh, how the things that I teach in the classroom apply in the real world. Uh, it's always been important to me as a teacher to encourage my students to um, transfer the kinds of things we study in class to what's going on in their their current present surroundings otherwise all we're doing is just teaching a bunch of factual content factual information when i was in college i served under a congressman as an intern for several months in washington dc so i was really interested in politics even even back then when it came specifically to my interest in the trobe i had a friend who was at the time serving as the city manager and he had encouraged me on multiple occasions to consider it and you know long story short uh, i decided to run for a council seat this was back in 2015 i guess it would be uh, and so i was elected to the city council uh, served a four-year term and decided that it wasn't that painful so I ran for re-election and won that in 2019. And then our uh, former mayor had decided that it was time for her to retire. She had served the city for about, about 25 years, I think, uh, some significant amount of time. And so uh, my decision to run for mayor was not motivated to oust anybody or to demonstrate that uh, an opposing candidate, you know, was not um, the right candidate for the job. I decided to run to fill the spot that honestly, there really aren't a whole lot of people itching to, to go out and do. 
And so uh, perhaps uh, just a message for your listeners is an awareness that your your local government, whether it be a city council or um, various authorities such as your water authority uh, and entities like that are frequently desperate for volunteers who are willing to to serve in those capacities, which generally doesn't take a whole lot of time out of your your week or your month. And it sounds like you had some pretty big shoes to fill there with uh, the former mayor having been in that position for, like you said, 25 years. So I'm curious to know um, how stepping into that position has um, affected you for these first few months and how you've been able to manage your time and what sort of duties you've already taken on and uh, sort of responsibilities you've um, become very aware of and very involved with. Yeah, fortunately, the entire council that I've served with over these years has really gotten along very well. And so I've got a good relationship uh, with uh, Madam Wolford, who uh, was the the former mayor. And she, of course, has been more than helpful in guiding me through the transition. Uh, I had mentioned to uh, someone else recently that I don't know how anybody would do something like this, having not already served in this kind of capacity somewhere or somehow. So uh, if I had not currently been serving on council, I would not have even dreamed of uh, taking on the responsibility uh, of the mayor. Uh, so having been on council, I have a good amount of, of experience in, in recognizing just how the, the whole system runs and, and how it's organized, the kinds of things that we need to do at meetings and so on. So it was, it's very smooth in the sense that uh, so far uh, the transition hasn't been all that different from what I'm used to doing on council. So when I serve on council, and, you know, you, we have two meetings a month. One of our meetings is designed to discuss the kinds of things that we'll actually vote on. So like many boards, we vote on things once a month, but we have a prep meeting that helps us to get ready and discuss and question and have a couple weeks to think about or uh, gauge the public or our neighbors on various topics that we are considering so that we're not just showing up one day and saying, okay, yeah, let's vote on this thing that I just heard about five minutes ago. So it doesn't work like that. So that's uh, you know a, a measure that is written into our code that helps us to be prepared for for what it is that we're doing and as far as the last month or so has gone some of the things that have that have taken um, a bit of my attention differently than being on council is that when you have a new person stepping into a position or really just any election even if the person's getting reelected, the process the first meeting is a called a reorganizational meeting and so that's when you swear in new members and then you appoint people to various committees and boards that we're required to participate in. So my first formal meeting as mayor was spent going through those kinds of things. Now, I also, in being in a, the middle of my council term, when I transitioned to mayor, that then officially vacated my council seat. 
So another thing that we're doing right now is um, getting ready to uh, interview a couple of candidates who are interested in applying for that position. So we don't hold a special election. The current council will just appoint who my replacement is. So that's a, a detail that we have been talking about. Uh, and then as far as my responsibilities go, I'm on some different committees than I was before. And there are various local groups who frequently interact with the city in various ways. And, and so far to this point, it's just been a few extra meetings here and there, meeting with people, uh, discussing ideas that they have as far as they're interested in supporting the city is. So it's been really less than a month and I've been a, a part of two official council meetings, one a formal voting meeting, the other uh, just this uh, earlier this week, we had an agenda prep meeting where we discussed the kinds of things that we'll be voting on. And the things that are most current on our, our list right now are pretty routine kinds of things, uh, approving uh, for example, uh, approving our stormwater manager to seek out bids to buy uh, a camera that we can put down into our, our drainage system to see the condition of them. It's not the most riveting or exciting of stuff, but it's necessary stuff. It's, it's stuff that needs to be done so that the city can continue to run functionally and properly as it should. And, and so most of my years on council have been spent doing just those kinds of things, discussing the needs that we have, finding room in the budget to buy those things, empowering the various department heads to go out and do that work, and continuing to be, uh, in a sense, a, a check and a balance on that. Much like the federal government, as you learned in school, has a checks and balance system, that's in a sense how a city government works as well. So the council is elected, the mayor is elected, by the people, the people put their trust in us uh, to appoint people who are doing other things full time. So obviously I still teach, I'm not a full time mayor. We have a, a person who is a city manager and it's their job to sort of be the CEO or you know the daily operator for the city. And under this individual is the, the fire chief and the police chief and the code enforcement officer and, and um, public works director and all kinds of positions like that, uh, who are the people doing the real grunt work of making sure the city is safe and clean and um, without serious problems. And it's interesting to know the ins and outs of that sort of stuff and hearing it from you has been uh, a little um, revealing and eye-opening uh, because I think I think the joke around school uh, that some of us had was you know Mr. Bartels he's teacher by day but mayor by night it's like this full-time <laughs> position like a superhero that you have to fulfill uh, in your off hours but obviously you know there are other people who are helping you out with this sort of stuff um, and you had mentioned the less riveting details of the job and and the sorts of things that you're uh, looking to fix around town that aren't as interesting as you know like big big sorts of policies so I'm curious to know were there any sort of like bigger items uh, that maybe weren't so riveting, but are things that are important to you that you want to get done uh, in the town? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, I'm speaking to you and Malia, who are uh, veterans of my human geography class. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, we taught in that urban unit, and I'm not going to put you on the spot to recite any vocabulary words, but please, please uh, don't. Things... I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> yeah. 
one of the things that was a component of that was uh, something I, I know you do uh, recall. It's just general migration patterns, people leaving smaller towns and moving move to bigger towns. And um, a lot of the smaller communities around this country uh, struggling to have enough of a population base to continue to support um, not just the government functions of the city, like you know, being able to support a police force or, or something of that nature, but also sustaining businesses, um, uh, keeping the city attractive and appealing for other people to come to. Uh, and so a lot of what I just want to make sure we can continue to do is maintain what is really an outstanding community. Uh, Latrobe recently was um, voted as one of the 20 most livable cities uh, in the United States by, uh, it, I'm not going to even name the organization because I know I'm going to misquote it, uh, but it was, it was important to us. And it was a, it, it was a somewhat prestigious, you know, organization. It wasn't like it was Mr. Bartels' Google site that named it, uh, named it that. So, <laughs> Um, that's something that's important to us is finding a way, especially in a city like ours, that's, that's pretty much landlocked without a whole lot of room, uh, to grow as far as, uh, new residences or new businesses. So we want to maintain those things. Uh, something else that has helped Latrobe along the way of, of being, being an appealing place for families and individuals is the history that goes with it. You know, everybody knows who... Fred Rogers is, people know who Arnold Palmer uh, was, and, and so on. Uh, people have heard of St. Vincent. Uh, it's not technically in the city bounds, but it's part of the community. They're involved in the community. And with that history has come um, um, generous donations from various grants or um, uh, charitable organizations associated with those, uh, with those individuals and with those programs. And so Latrobe is as successful as it is because it has such great partnerships with those and, and many more that I've, that I've mentioned. Uh, one of the most outstanding things in our city is uh, an organization we have called the Revitalization Committee. It's the job of this committee to identify where are some, some things that we can spruce up the city or uh, preventatively avoid decay and blight and things like that. Uh, speaking of blight, we're currently working with an agency out of the, the county government, uh, Westmoreland County, to identify properties that could be at risk for blight. Uh, so I said I wasn't going to quiz you on a term. I won't quiz you on the term, but um, uh, we talked about uh, terms like uh, gentrification, that has come out of um, blighted properties, uh, filtering, these are terms that we used in our, uh, our urban unit. Uh, direct application to what I get to see here in the city in my role uh, as, a, as an elected official, that we wanna make sure that the, the process of deterioration doesn't happen because once that does, you won't be able to attract more people into the city. You won't be able to attract businesses to say, hey, you know, this looks like a place where I'll be able to sell this product or serve uh, the community. So Latrobe has been able to avoid a lot of that. And there are many communities, of course, around the country, around the state, who have not been as blessed as we have with 
um, legacy funds, legacy money uh, that helps to keep it running and, and fill in where uh, a taxpayer base cannot. Well, Mr. Bartels, you make your job seem more than standing in front of a crowd and cutting a piece of uh, string with large scissors, as they always like to show in the movies. Um, yeah, I haven't had to do that yet. It's only been a month, but I, I can't wait. I hope I get, I hope I get the chance. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hope you have your uh, pair of big scissors ready for that. But um, uh, you're certainly making and I guess bringing a reality to what it's like having a job such as mayor. And um, it's so evident that you're dedicated to it and that you are working to really improve the city of Latrobe. And um, why do you think it's worth it? What do you love? What do you appreciate about Latrobe so much? Uh, I was attracted to the a lot of the youth programs. So when we first moved here, um, my older son was about three and my uh, other son, my younger son was born the day we closed on our house that we live in here. So uh, it's appealing that, and I've mentioned it several times already, just the idea of it being a family friendly place. We have a great parks and rec program uh, here in the city that year round is offering all kinds of diverse activities, whether it's the Rogers McFeely swimming pool uh, that gives all, all men people enjoyment in the summer, um, winter sports, spring sports, and our children did t-ball and Little League for a while, then they were doing um, soccer uh, beyond that. Um, the Parks Department has hosted events like uh, Youth Ninja Warrior uh, in the park and in the playground. Uh, so there are those kinds of things, plus, you know, like 5k runs and um, a banana split festival, 4th of July fireworks. Not all communities have you know, the kind of major fireworks display that we have. We're hoping to be able to bring back all the normal activities that we were able to do before COVID, of course. Those things are attractive. As a history teacher, there's so much history here. I already mentioned some of our celebrities, but Latrobe's role uh, with the railroad industry and the steel industry are also uh, appealing to me as a history teacher, of course, uh, it's, I like the small town atmosphere as well. I like to go visit Pittsburgh and there's a lot of fun things to do there, but I would much prefer to live in a, in a tight knit community. Um, I have great neighbors. We know our neighbors. We communicate with our neighbors. You know, we don't stay clustered inside of our house and, and hidden from anyone. So those are several of the things that I, I do find very appealing about living in the And I think those are some nice sentiments uh, that, that as we're kind of wrapping up uh, our time here. Uh, and so, Mr. Rotels, I again wanted to thank you for coming on and wanted to ask if you had any other final comments uh, for anyone who may have listened this far uh, into the episode and are just curious about um, government or politics or uh, the position you're involved with, um, anything you would like to, to kind of reach out to them with? Yes, the thing I would say, whether it's students or adults who are listening to this, is the thing that we uh, are constantly communicating to the people who do and really the, the so many who don't attend our council meetings. Um, they, they aren't well attended and 
what I don't think people realize, because so many people have a cynical view of how politics work or how government works, is sort of the idea that they're not going to listen to me anyway or they're just going to do what they want to do. And it's, it's not true. So many times we have held off making a decision or changed uh, an opinion uh, on a decision that we thought we were going to make a certain way merely because some people showed up from the community to express concerns. Um, we had this issue years ago with a, a placement of a deck hockey rink, moving a deck hockey rink from one part of town to another. Um, other issues as far as, um, uh, well, just any kind of issue really. It doesn't mean we always change our mind, but the voice is heard. And I don't know if there's intimidation on the part of people you're really walking into just a room where some people are sitting in some chairs. Like there's not anything that should be scary about it. So anybody of any age, I would encourage, you know, attend a school board meeting, attend a council meeting, just listen to what they're talking about. Uh, if there's an issue that's coming up, you know, go voice your opinion and um, indicate, you know, how voting one way or the other on an issue might impact you. Uh, it's it's local, so these are people who you know we live with and have to be held accountable to on a daily basis. It's a lot different than I would assume being a senator who's a, a senator for an entire state and doesn't always have to face the constituents with the decisions that they're making. And so that's always my plea: is come to the meetings, um, give your opinion, you know, tell us what you know, we're doing well, so we can keep doing these things. Let us know what things you'd like to see done differently. So that's always my encouragement uh, to that kind of a to that kind of a question. All right. Well, thank you again, Mr. Bartels, so much for taking the time out of your day to come and talk to us about this stuff. Um, we know we've already kind of pestered you with that article and stuff. So I mean, this is certainly uh, very informative for at least Malia and I. Um, so, and I'm sure anyone who has decided to listen this far into the episode uh, has has learned a thing or two, too. So I wanted to, again, thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. And I think it's it's awesome that uh, these kinds of opportunities are there for you guys to, you know, um, publish podcasts and, and articles and so on. So great job. Uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we, we really revel in these opportunities and, and it's always it's always a pleasure to have uh, interviews and get uh, guests on who are able to come and talk to us about something that we might not already know. So again, thank you so much. And thank you all to have who have listened this far. Uh, like always, we'll be back next Monday at 7pm. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening.